Don't worry, I was lip syncing. Oh, good. It's, yes. <laughs> Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. The one you're listening to. Mm-hmm, right now. We just like figured out how to add our intro to the soundboard we have. So mm-hmm. we just got to like stare deeply into each other's eyes as we listen to the theme music. Yeah, I was actually thinking about it because you, you probably haven't heard the full theme in a long, like a while, huh? It's interesting because it is my ringtone, but nobody oh. calls me. So <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, That's no, so I have funny. Like, but I haven't heard like the full thing in okay, a minute okay. because, like, <clears throat> sorry, the ringtone version I have is just like twenty seconds. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a, a smidge longer. I was gonna say there is like a shorter version. Yeah. Too. Um. There's a really long version, and then there's this one, and then there's an even shorter one. There's so many versions. Yes. Well, one of them is my ringtone. Okay. For everybody except for, I think, just Jen and Molly. I think Jen and Molly are the only two people that have, like, special ringtones on my phone. Mm-hmm. And Jen is the polyphonic version of Rhythm of the Night by Corona. Fun. So, just that. <laughs> and then Molly is a Celine Dion song that, like... When you touch me like this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You like that. Beautiful. No, wait, just kidding. It's the one where she goes, Cause I'm your lady. Oh. <laughs> and you are my man. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I had to sing. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you. I am Celine Dion. You are. You, you look just like her. <laughs> I think it's a little Celine Dioff, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But I got a haircut yesterday. Nice. Very fresh. I was admiring my eyebrows in the video feedback thing because there's just something about a fresh done eyebrow when it's just Mm -hmm. like, ooh, so sharp. Mm -hmm. All the lines. Is your hair a different color or is that the way the light is hitting it? I think it's the way the light's hitting it. I mean, it's a fade on the side, so it kind of just looks all a bunch of different okay. colors. But, like, I also need to shower because I got it cut yesterday and she styled it. And I just went to sleep oh, yeah. with that product straight in my hair. And oh, so no, it's no. Little... You got to ride that as long as you can. Yeah. You ride that style as long as you can. Well, I mean, it was going great until I also decided to ride my bike yesterday on a very blustery day. So I got to where I was going. My hair was just <laughs> like just straight oh, up. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Crushing it. Uh, so how is life with the new kitty? It's getting better. Uh, okay. The first couple days were rough. Um, yeah. Like when I picked her up from the foster apartment, mm-hmm. the, it took her an hour and a half to get in a cat carrier. Oh, t- yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't like them. I, I get it. I didn't do the foster any help by getting a soft-sided cat carrier, but that's all that PetSmart had. So like, yeah. it like, looks like a duffel bag, basically, mm-hmm. that you put your animals in. Yeah, you'll have to uh, upgrade that probably for a Oh, for sure, future. eventually. Yeah, eventually I will. Uh, it was kind of just like, it's all that it had in the area that I could get to, that I could get in time. Because it kind of mm, happened yeah. pretty quick. Like, mm-hmm. But she's here now. She's under the guest bed. That may, I mean, th- yeah, that makes sense. Acclimation is a, a process. Yeah. Well, she likes to explore at night. Like... The that first checks. night, yeah, because the first night I had her in my guest room, and my guest mm-hmm. room door doesn't latch very well, so she managed mm-hmm. to like let herself out in the middle of the night, 
and then like hid under the bar for a day. So she was just under the bar with all the liquor bottles for a day. I'm like, all right, I'll put your food down here and your water. Mm-hmm. Then the next night, she managed to get into my supply closet somehow, which is just chemicals and tools. Oh, good. Good, good, good. She found herself a nice little spot behind all the paint cans. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, God, this cat. But she's gotten better. She just kind of chills in the guest room most of the time now. And I actually woke up with her in my bed this morning, which was sweet, except for I didn't have my glasses on. And she blended in with a blanket. And as I was like get trying to like get up and move from my bed i like put my hand on her and she was like i was like oh shit there's a cat here like and then she's like oh shit there's a human here and then she bolted yeah so but that's nice though she's warming yeah, up and she is i mean she had a real stressful it. transition so i get it yeah oh yeah little minerva which is such an intense name for a cat i think it's great though I, yeah, I, I love it. And like, yeah. I call her Minnie sometimes too. <laughs> when I just need something short. Mm-hmm. But Minerva is her full legal name. It's beautiful. Yes. You'll have to get her um, one of those little costumes at Halloween. Little, like, a little kitty costume. hat. Oh, a little kitty witch mm-hmm. hat. Oh my God, yes. Mm-hmm. Cats really hate them, but it's also such a delight to try and put costumes on them. <laughs> you know what? Like... Someone kind of like, because I was freaking out about the adjustment period, because I'm like, oh my god, this cat hates me, blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of like, you just got to give your cat space to like, like, it's basically more of a roommate until you become friends. Like, you give them their space, you let them come to you kind of thing. And that's really helped me to start thinking of this cat as like a roommate. Like, especially when she likes to walk around meowing instead of being like, what do you need? What do you need? And like, if you need something, you come to me. Like, I'm not answering your meows right now. No, they're they're very self-sufficient. Yeah. Uh, That is one of the the kind of nice things about cats is it is they are very self-sufficient unless they're kittens. Yeah. You know, they will figure it out. Yeah. Which is it's just such a change because I'm used to Daisy where you kind of have to do everything for her. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very, very different. <laughs> different vibe, different vibe. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad it's working out so far. It sounds like it's going perfect. Yeah, it, I was real stressed about it the first couple of days, but I've calmed down. I think the cat mm-hmm. diffuser worked on both of us. It chilled both of us out. Oh, you have like the pheromone? Yeah, thing? the okay, feloway, yeah. I think it's called, or fellaway. I, I don't know. There's different ones, I think. But Faye they, Dunway. She's here. Yes, Faye Dunway. Calling my cat. <laughs> Just constantly. Yes. <laughs> um, I have something a little new this week. We've never Ooh. done this. But I came across an article and I started reading it. And then I stopped. New segment who dis. Yes. And I just think this is the type of article we would both enjoy. So I don't, I didn't read, read it. So I'm going to read it to us right now. Okay. But I think this is interesting just from the, the you know, opening line. Yeah, alone. yeah. And this is from fox2detroit.com. All right. So the news channel around here. And the title is Crews Find 1913 Letter in Stroh's Beer Bottle During Michigan Central Station Restoration. Oh, my God. Have you heard about it yet? No. Okay, good. Okay, so it goes, Crews working on, in Corktown's Michigan Central Station made a discovery hidden in the walls of the old train depot, a note in a bottle. The Stroh's beer bottle from 1913 was tucked in the wall near the ceiling in the main lobby of the station. Lucas Nielsen was removing an unstable wall with Leo Kimball on May 4th when he saw the bottle and told Cruz to stop because he thought it might be important. 
Instantly, the thought comes to my mind, hey, it's a message in a bottle, Nielsen said. He said it wasn't sure if the paper inside was a note or just someone's sandwich wrapper shoved in an old bottle. The piece of paper was removed, revealing a letter dated July 1913. Can I guess what it said? Uh, yeah. Send nudes. It's. <laughs> I would love if that's what it said. I know it's not. <laughs> But, like, just imagine finding a message from 1913 a wall that just says, send nudes. I mean, I'm sure they exist. I'm sure oh, those yeah. messages exist. Oh, yeah. They're probably a much more flowery. <laughs> send me a photograph <laughs> of you in your birthday suit and your earliest convenience. I don't know, though. Some of that stuff that gets uncovered is pretty, like, Risque. just out there and raunchy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, restrain, so restrain. Yes. Um, so, letter dated July 1913, about half a year before Michigan Central Station would open. Okay. The note had been removed from the bottle when it was first found, but was placed back inside to protect it until a media event Thursday where it was taken out and shown to Nielsen for the first time. Quote, Dan Hogan and Geo Smith stuck this uh, illegible of Chicago. That's what the note says. Uh-huh. <laughs> The people have been working to archive the artifacts found inside the building, did some research, and discovered that a man named Dan Hogan was a plasterer based out of Chicago. It is believed that Hogan and Smith put the bottle there while they were working on the depot. Work began uh-huh. at Michigan Central Station in 1910, and it opened in December of 1913 with the first train departing the day after Christmas. The depot yeah, would serve as a booming... <laughs> Transportation hub for decades before train travel declined, leading the closure of MCS, oh, Michigan Central Station, when the last train left on January 5th, 1988, as we've Not learned. Not to be confused with MC5. They're different. No. I've learned. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically just this, like, it goes on a little bit. So if anybody's interested, you can read more into the story. But this is interesting, actually. So workers find items in the station and they are asked to turn them in so they can be preserved because stuff gets found all the time. Yeah. And the artifacts are stored in Dearborn. Officials say they hope to display some of them when the depot opens. Right now it's planning late 22 or early 23. Oh, for instance, numerous shoes have been found. (laughs) (laughs) I love just like the idea of decades of shoes found in this train station. (laughs) I do too. Uh, There was a baseball that they determined from some time after 1934 because of the ball's stitching, because apparently it changed at that time. Okay. Uh, and then some other artifacts as well. Looks like typewriter or some sort of cash register. And yeah. Some but kind yeah. of buttonist machine. Yeah. But I was like, a message in a bottle in the train station. I have to share this. It's a message in a bottle. I got to share it on my podcast. Mm hmm. I appreciate they did. I love that they just are finding things. I like I makes me want to leave notes just like mm-hmm. weird places. Agreed. Maybe we should do that. Um, yeah, I'm just going to start. I mean, I kind of did it at one of my apartments, but oh, yes, mm-hmm. you, with this with yeah. the yarn doll. Um, yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, I know. Don't feel great about that one. But like, I'm sure someone who finds it will have fun with it. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. Are you sipping on anything fun today? Uh, I just have a flavored water and aha. Nice. Mm-hmm. What flavor? I do. Ahas are kind of my favorite of the sparkling waters. 
I like this one because this was like one of their tea ones. So this Ooh. is citrus and green tea. And I just love this one. Oh, I, that's one of my favorites, too. I like mm-hmm. that one and like the peach pear. Mm-mm, and then like mm-mm. the black cherry and coffee one's actually good, too. I haven't seen that one. I know, I've heard about it from you, but I haven't seen that one. It's a fabled flavor. You have to really you gotta <laughs> want it. I don't believe it actually exists. I think it is. <laughs> I think you uh, made maybe it up. they've already taken it down. They were like, Alex likes this too much. We got to just get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sipping on anything? I know you were you were thinking about doing some chopped magic. It wasn't the most magical chopped, but I did chopped a drink together. OK, what is it? Uh, it's Sailor Jerry and a Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, I so mean, nothing that's... exciting, but it's a drink. No, that works. Yeah. That seems like it would flow relatively well together, too. No, it tastes great. Like, yeah, I just had like a little bit of Sailor Jerry, like just like this much left in a bottle. So I was just like, how could I use this? And I had Diet Dr. Pepper and it was just like mm-hmm. mm, chef's kisses, chef's lazy kisses. Perfection. Yes. Actually, wait, I've got something for that. Impressive. Ooh. Impressive. Oh, I didn't know it played again. <laughs> Impressive. Mm-hmm. Who's saying that? Or is it just like a random sound clip? It's kind of, well, it's a take on Mortal Kombat, but like somebody updated the sound, like all the things from Mortal Kombat. Okay. Yeah. There might be a few more. Love coming. it. Is there a cook cook combo No, because I couldn't find it. Because I could do that myself. I that was looking for it, though. Combo! <laughs> Maybe I'll have to capture that, add it to my soundboard. <laughs> I also, um, like, just like the, like, mid to late 2010s when just, like, internet soundboards were just such a thing. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one that was just a button of just this old guy going, hey oh! oh. Just, like, for entirely too long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> but... I have a c- 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 combo story for you. <laughs> I don't know. Combo. I am ready for this combo story. Mm-hmm. Is it a combination story or is it a story about the snack combo? It is a combo. It's kind of a combination story. Like it all goes together, but it's multiple things explored to okay. kind of stitch it together. But I think we're going to get to it after a short break. Okay. Hey folks, guess what? The Detroit Women of Comedy Fest is back, baby! We're going to be streaming across Planet Ants channels on June 4th and June 5th. That's their Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. You get it. There's going to be so much funny stuff. We're talking sketch, stand-up, podcasts, live stream, workshops, special guests. Head over to DetroitWomenOfComedy.com to find out how you can join the fun. Yeah. And we're back. Oh, shit. Google's listening. Hold on. Oh, no. Google, go away. No. Okay. Ah. Hold on by the rescues. Sure. Okay, Google. On Spotify. Stop. The mic's off. That's the plan. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, you know, there. sometimes I have to get sassy with Google. No, I meant Google. Oh. No, Google... I feel like sometimes Google just has it out for me in a spiteful way. It's like, but why, though? But yeah. then I yell at it, and then I know why. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, Google. Well, you know, relationship. <laughs> you know what's better than Google? What? <laughs> well, this past weekend was because it was Memorial Day weekend. 
Yes. The official long weekend to bring in the season. Uh, the weather has other ideas. The weather, yeah. I'm I'm trying to pretend like we already know what happened this weekend, but in looking at the weather, like it, it's going to be yeah. cold and damp. But, but you know what? We'll make the best of it because you know what? I don't have to work yes. until Tuesday. Yes. So I'm loving it. It could be any weather it wants. Preferably warmer, yes. but like, you know. So I am just going to kind of jump into this because I kind of have like a little okay, trailing going into it. But Memorial Day weekend, what does it usually kind of bring? Um, but like, like what? just like what comes to mind with Memorial Day weekend? What? Um, like barbecues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like lake stuff. Mm-hmm. If you lived in Sunflower Village and Canton, it means the pools were open. It was opening weekend for us. Mm-hmm. Um, hot dogs. Ooh, Makes I have hot dogs hot on dog my list. Real bad. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, all, all like you know, kind of fun summery stuff. People yeah. Breaking out fireworks for the first time, getting their sandals out and never putting them away for months. Things exactly. Like that. But uh, one thing that Detroit knows all too well is Memorial Day weekend usually also brings the sounds of techno music floating through the air across yes, the city. Yes, movement. Uh-huh. So my story is about techno and or Detroit techno and also movement a little bit. I don't know if that qualifies. <laughs> no, I think that's more Eurodance than techno. Yeah, but... that's like very poppy. Uh... I know. I heard... I like literally. I just heard a truck horn yesterday, and ever since then, just in my head. Bum, 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 bum. I am sorry. It's okay. It's okay <laughs> it because I'm passing like it on to everyone listening now. Oh, good, good. Uh, but no, it's actually kind of surprising. We haven't talked about techno on here at all. We've like touched on it, but like very like if if we've t- done anything, it's just been like a techno. It exists. Yeah, exactly. But it does have ties to the city. I know that like it kind of was invented here, right? It was invented. Yeah. (laughs) So basically, um, techno started to gain popularity in like the mid 80s and then throughout the 90s is when it was kind of going full steam ahead. Still has a lot of popularity today. Yeah. And it did start in the city of Detroit. It was actually referred to, I believe, as Detroit techno. Now, there is a lot of information, and I gathered information from many places, including one documentary movie on YouTube. So I did my best to represent the information as best as I can. Uh, but that was one thing that I'd always heard, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. So, it, yeah. I mean, some people refer to it technically as Detroit techno, but it, the form of electronic music known as techno was birthed in Detroit, which is cool. Suck it everywhere else. <laughs> and basically, there is a number of individuals really known for like pioneering it. But three of the individuals most talked about are Detroit's Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson, and Derek May, aka okay. the Belleville Three, as they were Ooh. known. Yeah. So a little about them. Uh, Derek May, DJ producer. He was born in 1963. He was raised mostly by his mother. Around the age of 13, he learned about DJing from a friend at school, Juan Atkins. And while in high school, his mother moved to Chicago, which he visited often, and he kind of took uh, in the music scene there a little bit, too, because house music was already, like, you yeah. know, running strong. It was in the house, if you will. Yes. So he did. He had that influence as well, which is pretty cool. 
Juan Atkins, who was born in 1962, Mixmag described him as, quote, the original pioneer of Detroit techno. And he kind of had it. He he had like a little bit of an in in the fact that his father was a concert promoter. So he had like mm-hmm. a little bit of touch with like the music industry in that way. Yeah. He learned to play guitar and bass guitar and uh, the style of like funk, garage band styles and friends early on. His parents split and he moved to Bellevue or Be- Be- Belleville, Bellevue, Belleville <laughs> where in junior high he met Derek May and Kevin Saunderson. Nice. Uh, and actually in one of the doc in the documentary I was watching, he actually tells a story about when he met Kevin and they got into a fight first, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe it was Juan beat up Kevin, but eventually they became friends. One of them beat the other one up, but eventually they became friends, which is just kind of a funny. Yeah. This is how we met. We met when I kicked his ass and yeah. we've been friends ever since. Exactly. That's how friendships are made. Exactly. And Kevin Saunderson was born in 1964. And again, he's a, a producer, DJ, and he spent his early years in Brooklyn, actually, before moving to Belleville at the age of like nine or 10 ish. As he got older, he developed some goals, as most people do, including studying things like telecommunications and collegiate level football at Eastern Michigan. Ooh. But he also learned DJing from Juan. So he's kind of doing that too. Possibly a more useful skill. <laughs> yeah. And the three would create tracks in their basements. They first bonded while listening to things like Kraftwerk, Parliament, Prince, Depeche Mode, and the B-52s, amongst other things. So kind of where their influences are coming from. Derek May once described Detroit techno music as being, quote, or being a, quote, complete mistake, like George Clinton and Kraftwerk caught in an elevator, with uh-huh. only a sequencer to keep them company. Okay. Yeah. I like that description. Yeah. So the Bellevue Three would also go on to help form the what was called the Music Institute. And this was started in 1988 by Derek May. And it was basically Detroit's answer to well-known house and garage clubs in New York, Chicago, and Europe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And for two years... Like the Derek, Ministry of Sound. Yes. <laughs> for two years, Derek May would use the... Tur- uh, w- would basically turn a turntable from midnight to eight or nine in the morning. Damn. Look mm-hmm. at them. I mean, it makes sense with techno, but... Mm-hmm. And eventually, this would gain a lot of popularity. A lot of people would come, and it was actually a no liquor, pop and juice only kind of event. Okay, so people literally any anybody could come, and you know it was just for dancing and for enjoying the music. And eventually, kind of led to Detroit's scene being a little bit more well known. We'll say okay. Uh, although it is interesting in the documentary because they're talking about like all these kind of like heavy hitters and techno. And they're talking about how they can like walk around Detroit and like nobody will like know who they are, know who they are. But they go to somewhere in Europe and like everybody knows who they are. I think it's honestly like the best kind of fame where like people who love you recognize you, but nobody else knows who you are. Yes. Yes. And just a couple of people I felt I didn't have a lot of information about, but I wanted to mention them because they weren't brought up multiple times. One name is Eddie Folks. And he was another DJ influential in the creation of techno. In the late 70s, he was actually attending a party with his older sister. And he saw a DJ mixing some records, went home, asked for a uh, soundboard or a mixer for Christmas. And eventually, he would go on to meet all of the Belleville three, eventually even becoming roommates with Derek May. So Nice. Yeah. And there's one person we'll talk about in a second. But now we're going to kind of start diving into the festivals because we... 
they all were around for like the first wave of time. I mean, they were around for a long time. They're still yeah. And don't know why I'm talking like that. They are still around. <laughs> yeah. But they were kind of the pioneers of that first wave. Yeah. And the first electronic music festival held in Detroit was actually the Detroit Electronic Music Festival. And that was I knew the, that. Damp. Yeah. I knew Damp. I don't know when uh, they changed the name. You probably know. Yes. We will get to that. <laughs> yes. I do remember. I thought Dump was actually like longer, but it was actually really only for a few years called Dump. Yeah. I. Which is yeah. weird because I remember people like. I remember wanting to go. <laughs> yeah, I remember people talking about Dempf, and I'm like, that sounds cool. Yeah. And so it started, that was in 2000, and it was the result of the efforts of um, techno icon and Detroit native Carl Craig with a producer named Carol Marvin from Pop Culture Media, which is an organization she ran. Okay. And Carl Craig, just a little bit about him, he was born in 1969, Detroit, Michigan. He attended Cooley High School and developed an interest in music. Oh, he learned to play guitar from his cousin who worked lighting for events. Mm-hmm. He also became interested in club music. He heard Derek May's radio show and began experimenting himself using a dual deck cassette recorder. And eventually his tape was passed along to Derek May via someone who knew him. Through this, Craig would become an electronic music producer, DJ, founder of a record label, and known as one of the leaders in the second wave of Detroit techno artists. Do we know what the record label was called? I do have it. Uh, Planet E Communications. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit about. Yeah. Carl Craig. So he, like I said, kind of started Dump with this uh, Carol Marvin, 2000. Dump took place at Hart Plaza. It was a huge hit. That first year brought in about 1 million visitors. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it brought people from all over the world basically to celebrate techno and it's birthplace and it was one of the first electronic music festivals in the u.s damn can you guess how much admission was five dollars free baby uh of course it was mm-hmm. can you imagine going to any kind of music festival for free these days i know well the jazz fest the- is free i think <laughs> that's true i think i might be wrong but yeah no it's it's very uncommon but i do remember it being free in the oh, early years, which is interesting. That's amazing. Yeah. So by 2001, the next year, the Ford Motor Company noticed the huge draw the festival had made and sponsored the second year with a $435,000 title sponsorship. So it was then called the Focus Detroit Electronic Music Festival. Okay. Mm-hmm. F dump. <laughs> yeah. It was still free of charge. I would hope so. That yeah. after getting all that money, they would still keep it free. That'd be kind of ridiculous. They're like, we got all this sponsorship money and now we're charging you. Yes. Uh, and it brought a huge TV ad nationwide, a campaign for Ford in which Juan Atkins was featured. Oh. Attendance went up to over 1.7 million. That's that a lot of freaking people. Mm-hmm. But there was actually a little controversy when the festival producer, Carol Martin, reluctantly fired artistic director Carl Craig for breach of contract. Not sure exactly. I'm not sure exactly what he did. There was a breach and he had to go. Yeah. So soon after Martin ended her ties to the festival as well. So January, 2003 Ford did not return as a sponsor. And then mayor Kwame Kilpatrick decided it was time to override the recreation department who was in charge of Hart Plaza and secure Memorial Day weekend for Derek May. So at this oh. point, 
Derek hasn't, I mean, he might have performed at the festivals and things like that, but he hasn't yeah. been a producer of it. Yeah. And May decided to call the festival Movement. Okay. So he put together a team and started to collect sponsorship, but experienced difficulty when the city of Detroit withdrew its $350,000 funding that it had given in previous years. So that was 2003 when the name was changed? Sort of. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is where it gets kind of weird. So in 2004, the second movement festival was held still with public access, but the event did not do well and the financial loss led to the future state of the event being up in the air. Mm-hmm. By February 2005, Derek May resigned as the festival producer. Once again, the production would switch hands. Enter Kevin Saunderson. Okay. He announced that the new festival would be called Fuse in Detroit with the tagline, quote, Detroit's electronic movement and would be held a Memorial Day weekend of 2005. Okay. After negotiations with the city officials in 2005, this would mark the first year admission wouldn't be free. Okay. So a total of 41,220 passes were sold to visitors. 38,382 of them were daily passes going for, any guesses, for a day pass, 2005? 20 bucks? 10. Okay, okay. So nothing bad. Uh, And 2,838 were weekend passes for 25 each. That's still, yeah, that's still not bad at all. No, that's very affordable. Yeah. The city would get a dollar per pass and collect 30% of festival profits, but the emission the emission pass sales did not make up for the fest the festival's $756,000 budget. Ooh, yeah, that's a big budget. Yeah. So it was affordable, but it also didn't cover Yeah. The cost. And also too by this point, I I forget what the exact numbers were, but they were the numbers were down well down from a million. I think they were somewhere in like the 40,000. Uh range or something like that at this point. By February 2006, Saunderson announced that due to insufficient funding, he would not continue as the producer for the festival. And on March 23rd of that year, Paxahow, a Detroit-based event production company that had worked with producers for the festival. Yeah. Yeah. They were very experienced in this kind of stuff. They took over. Since 2006, Paxahow has, and I think that's how you say it, it's P-A-X-A- H U A. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they they've been producing the festival under the name Movement ever since. So okay. they went back to Movement. That's the movement we know the now. Demp. F Demp. Movement. Yeah. Fuse in Detroit, a movement production <laughs> to movement. Just movement. Yeah. Yeah. Movement uh, on ice. <laughs> uh a couple changes too. So at this point, I believe the festival was actually only two days. Okay. Just uh, Saturday and Sunday. 2007, it remained two days. 2008, it went up to the three days. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And ticket prices were $40 pre-sale in 2008, $55 at the door, or $175 for a VIP pass. So kind of You really want that experience, yeah. Yeah. In late 2013, the original Dempf management team announced that in 2014 on independence day weekend they would return as a free admission event at campus martius alongside the free event would be a paid admission federation of electronic music technology conference femt and music showcases taking place at nearby ford field okay so the original dump people were like we back we're back but they were not connected to movement whatsoever. Uh-huh. And both of the events were eventually rescheduled to 2015. 
I'm not really sure if they took place or not. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, the Electronic Music Festival was bringing in a million to 1.7 million people annually. Yeah. In 2006, it was about 41,000, though. Like I said, it did kind of take a big downward. Yeah. But I think it's been going up since then, too. I know in 2012, it was 107,000. I don't know the most recent year's numbers. Okay. Obviously, last year, due to COVID, it was canceled. Yeah. This year. Well, we'll get to this year, actually, in a second. Ooh. Because it just happened when this is being yeah. dropped. But in 2017, Movement was nominated for Festival of the Year at the Electronic Music Awards. Legit. This year, what they actually did this past weekend is they did what's called Micro Movement. Okay. And they're limited to three venues, limited numbers, obviously following, you know, COVID protocols yeah. and things like that. It is f- free and okay. it's basically first come, first serve. I believe they also streamed it. So you might be able to also see it online somewhere. Yeah. I've got one more little thing because I couldn't not talk about this lovely lady. Who is she? She's different. Have you ever heard of Techno Grandma? No, but I'm already in love. Uh, her name is Patricia Lay Dor- Dorsey. I want to give a shout out to Lisa. Lisa's a big fan of movement. She's gone several times. She misses it. I asked her if there's anybody I, I would be remiss not to talk about when covering this. And she said, Techno Grandma. So, okay. This woman. Please enlighten me. Uh, She was born in a little background. She was born in D.C. in 1942. She's a trained social worker, has been doing photography for the last three or or more decades. Oh, wow. Yeah. From 1976 to 79, she studied photography at at CCS, College for Creative Studies. And she's been an award-winning painter. She's exhibited her work many times all over. She's been an art reviewer. She's taught classes and workshops. And she loves to go to music festivals. Love that for her. Mm-hmm. The vibe reminds her of the 60s. Fair enough. Yeah. So she said, since I've started going in 2005, I never missed. Oh, my God. I don't care. I mean, they'd have to airlift me. Whatever. I will mention she is in uh, a scooter. She is in a scooter. Uh, she does have MS. Scoot but scoots. Yes. Uh, and actually, she loves her Amiga scooter. Uh, <laughs> I watched a video. And they're a Michigan company, so she needed to point them out. And I love that yes. she did that. Oh, so she started getting really serious about photography uh-huh. near, around like 2005, 2006. That's when she really started going. And one of the years, somewhere between 2005 and 2007, she was like up near a stage. And like I said, she is in a scooter. So like, that's how she gets around. Yeah. And she was kind of worried about getting like out of the crowd. Because, uh-huh. you know, it's a lot of people. And apparently some guy stood up and basically said, like, you see her up there? She's got to get through. We're going to let her effing through right now. That is Grandma Techno right there. And then everybody in the crowd started Grandma Techno, Grandma Techno. And now she's known as Grandma Techno. Yes. Yeah. I think it's so cute. And she talks about, like, I listened to her in a couple interviews and, you know, little videos and things like that. And she talks about it. And so... I love her. She also got her first tattoo at the age of 64. 
Love it. Mm -hmm. Because she just liked everybody's tattoos that she was seeing everywhere. Yeah, she wanted to join in on the fun. Mm -hmm. And in 2013, she published a a self-portrait project called Falling Into Place. And it's a, excuse me, it's an essay on living with a disability. She was a very active woman. And in January of 1988, she started to experience a series of like falls where she would just fall down. And she was diagnosed as 75% primary progressive MS. Okay. And this 2013 piece that she made won multiple awards around the world, and it gained a lot of exposure throughout the 2010s. And in 2013, a book of the same program was published and made available worldwide. Nice. Yeah. She also, I think this was published in 2019, but I forgot to write this down, but she made a book called They Call Me Grandma Techno. Perfect. Yeah. It's her photos from movement from 2007 through 2018. Oh, that's so fun. Mm-hmm. We love her. I highly, highly recommend look up Grandma Techno, listen to whatever she has to say, because she's just a delight. With a name like Grandma Techno, how could she not? Exactly. And follow her on Instagram. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, real quick, I want to mention my sources because there is a lot and I don't want to yes, forget yes. any of them. Vice.com, a video called Grandma Techno Captures Detroit's Rave Culture. Uh, interview by Ryan Patrick Cooper from May 2019, Grandma Techno Parties Harder Than You. Yeah. Uh, Mixmag.net, Grandma Techno Shares Her Love. And then also Wikipedia, of course. Freshmusicfreaks.com, History of Movement Detroit. Uh, DetroitHistorical.org, MusicOrigins.org. And I do recommend this on YouTube if you're interested there's a documentary called High Tech Soul, The Creation of Techno Music from 2006. It is available on YouTube. I might actually watch that. I love a good YouTube documentary. I recommend it. It's If you want to learn more about like the people, it goes more into the people. Now, okay. this is an area because I'm new to it. Like All these names are new. And, you know, so it's like I didn't want to get too chaotic with that because it can get confusing, you know? Yeah, but the documentary—it's really cool to kind of hear them talk and reference yeah. one another, and do recommend. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out because I like even thinking back to the Grandy Ballroom episode. I watched a YouTube documentary, and it was oh, yeah. great. Yeah, there's some really I good ones YouTube. out there. I mean, there's some bad ones too, I'm sure, but especially yeah. if it's already on YouTube, like give it a That's try. The thing, it's free, so <laughs> yeah. if you don't like it, just leave. Yeah, exactly. Find another video. Yeah, and this one was just, I got some information from it, but honestly, I was i was watching it this morning, so just because it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great and, job. Yeah, that is a brief techno history. <laughs> well, I loved it because I, like, I went through a big techno phase, like mid high school into like mid college i didn't know that yeah no i like i think my favorite was benny benassi and i still listen to some of his stuff but not as much that's grandma techno likes she likes benny benassi yes that actually came up in one of the things and i did write it down but then i was like i'm not gonna know how to pronounce this name so (laughs) no yeah um no he's great a lot of his earlier stuff's kind of creepy and i like it okay but, like, I really like his song Cinema. That's, like, a newer Ooh. one. It's less creepy. But um, Okay. 
yeah, like Benny Benazi. The name Aphex Twins is like stepping out, but like I oh, don't yeah. remember. They have, I, I've actually heard of them. <laughs> yeah, I've I only know like their one song. I think it was just called like Four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I did listen to Bass Hunter back in the day. Okay. I don't stand by him, but I will every once in a while. Okay. Ooh, and there is this one band called Scooter, which I can't remember any of their other songs other than Where the Beats Never End. I don't okay. even know if it's pure techno because it's like this weird German band, but like loved it. Okay. Well, it's Electronica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so That's might so not fun. be pure techno. Yeah, but no, yeah, I used to love like Electronica and techno music. So it was fun to kind of hear a little bit more about how it started. I love that it's a Detroit thing. Yeah. And it's some like I knew that, but I wasn't ever. I knew it, but it wasn't ever confirmed, if that makes yeah. sense. So I'm glad to have like confirmed it and right. know a little bit more. Like Detroit, I mean, obviously Motown, which like I love Motown and uh-huh. like Motown's fabulous, but techno oh, yeah. needs some love every once in a while. Oh, yeah. It so does. thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, would you like a two truths and a lie now? I I would love a two truths and lie, and I have a sound clip to bring us in. Yes, do it while I scroll. Test your might. Test your might. Do you know whose birthday it just was? Producer Patty's husband's. <laughs> yes, but not who I was thinking of. My two truths and lie is not about Perry. Um, was it Cher's birthday? It was. Okay. When in d- like with me, when in doubt, it's share. Like, I mean, yeah. I love it. So, and I know I've done share before, but like she just turned 75. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do another share one. I think this might even be the third share one, but it's I'm okay pro- with it. I'm, I literally I'm, like, yeah. I wrote share part like question marks. I don't know how many times I've done it, but I guarantee I haven't done this because this is a topic that like. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dug deep. So. I like at first was going to do um because she's had 26 studio albums. So I was gonna do which one of these album titles isn't real because she has some bizarre ones. I think the uh-huh. the worst or like the most like out there one is like one that was released in the year 2000 and it was like not dot com dot urshel. So like not commercial but with dots. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, that hurts my brain. <laughs> yeah. Was not one of her best albums, but then, like, as I was going through her discography, uh-huh. I realized how many covers she's done. She's done a ton of covers of other artists' songs, okay. which I, mean, I love. Yeah. So, your two truths and a lie today is going mm-hmm. to be which one of these covers by, like, which one of these songs has not been covered by Cher? Oh, okay. So, song we'll number see. one. Uh-huh. Knock on Wood, originally by Eddie Floyd and Steve Cropper, but made popular by Amy Stewart. Okay. So you know that song? Yeah. Okay. Holding Out for a Hero, originally by Bonnie Tyler. Okay. And number three, I Hope You Find It, originally by Miley Cyrus. Fight. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to. Yes. I'm going to go with Knock on Wood. You better knock, knock on wood. wood. No, she um she did do a cover of Knock on Wood. <sighs> it was on her album I'd Rather Believe in You. Okay. 
I actually listened to it today. It's, I like it. It's a bit more chill than the Amy Stewart cover. It's not as disco, but like, it's good. I like it. Okay. Okay. Uh, what was the second song again? Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. Which, if you don't know that song, I'm sorry you've lived such a sheltered life. You know that song, right? I'm holding out for a hero. Oh, yes. Okay. I do know I'm that song. I'm holding out for a hero to the morning <sighs> light. I mean, that definitely sounds like one she could have. You know what? I, I'm going to say that one then. Holding out for a hero? Yeah. That is the that is the lie. <gasps> yes. But she did cover Bonnie Tyler's song, which I didn't even know it was a Bonnie Tyler song because I just love the Cher version so much. Uh-huh. Save up all your tears. Do you know that was a do you know that wasn't Cher's song? Do I know that song? Oh baby, save up all your tears. You might need them someday. When the tears start to fall, I would wipe them away. Okay, I think I have heard that, but I I'm not that familiar with it. It's fair. It's a, it's a deeper cut. It's off. Um, it's off her greatest hits album, which is called "The Very Best of." Okay. Okay. And then the third one was true. She did cover the song "I Hope You Find It," originally by Miley Cyrus, for the film "The Last Song." Oh. Which she did. Okay. Um, and that's another one I didn't know was by anybody else because I'd only heard it on her album "Closer to the Truth," which I think was like yeah. 2011. But. I, I I just really wanted her to cover Miley Cyrus song. So she did. I wasn't gonna guess that one. She's done a lot of like collabs too. Mm-hmm. Like she did a great one with Lady Gaga that never got released, which is a bummer, but you can find it on YouTube. Oh <gasps> Lady Gaga appeared in the Friends Reunion show. I saw that she did it with Yes. <laughs> just speaking of Lady Gaga, it made me very happy. Yes. Uh just some other honorable mentions of covers by Cher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a man's 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 world by James Brown. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not unusual by Tom Jones. The girl from Impanima. Mm-hmm. You know that song? I think so. I don't think I can. Yeah. 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 A lot of Bob Dylan. She's covered, like, oh. I don't know Bob Dylan's discography very well, but, like, at least, like, 15 songs by Do- wow. Bob Dylan. Uh, Take It to the Limit by the Eagles. Okay. And then just, like, rapid fire some artists she's covered. Oasis, Tina Turner, Michael Bolton, Aretha Franklin, the Bee Gees, Kiss, and the Kinks. Oh, fun. Yeah. I love so the Kinks. She's, and, like, of course she had her album that came out like i think 2018 or 19 called dancing queen it was just an entire abba cover album which she's working on a sequel to as we speak yes (laughs) also there's a biopic in the works that she's working on a biography i lovely i ordered the people special edition about Cher's birthday i like oh you did order I remember yes. you were looking for it. I was it. looking for it, never found it, didn't try that hard to look, but I just went on Amazon and they had it. And I'm like, I want this for me. Yeah. It did remind me of in freshman year when my roommate um, in college had like the Michael Jackson people. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if it was like when he died or the anniversary of his death, but like he had that People magazine. It was one of those prized possessions. I was like, loser or nerd, whatever. And then like <laughs> cut to like, Cut to 11 years later, and I'm like, let me buy this share, People Magazine. Uh, like, <laughs> I get it. Sometimes you just got to stand. Yeah. Yeah. And I you stand. Gotta, you got to treat yourself, too. Yeah. 
If a magazine is treating yourself, you get that magazine. Right. It's a special mm-hmm. edition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All about the life and times of Cher. Miss Cherylyn Lapierre Bono Sarkeesian Allman. She has a lot of last names. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I have one thing to say. Impressive. Impressive. She is. Mm-hmm. 26 yeah. studio albums and Oscar. Yeah. You know. I I love this. I yes. Love it. <laughs> but our we wrapped like the final drop date for an album. We are wrapped like the filming for Share and the Loneliest Elephant, the documentary now streaming on Discovery Plus or no, Paramount Plus. There you go. One of them, HBO Max. Something plus. Not yeah. the regular something plus though. We are wrapped like the shared documentary. <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> Where can uh where can people message I us? Share everywhere. But if they want to find us, they can go to our social medias at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, we we would love that. And yeah. you can do so for, for free. Yeah. For free, free, free. All you need to do is subscribe, rate, review, maybe share with a friend. Subscribe, rate, review is the best combo you can do. It is. Uh, and, you know, if you want to do it not for free, we've also got a Patreon. Yeah. Go to Patreon. Uh, we've got a shop on Threadless. Yes. Get some um, merch. You know, if you really want to, we've got personal Venmos. We'll we'll share out yes. if you want. Whatever. Just slide into our DMs. <laughs> yes, please. And until next time. Stay, stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast. It's so weird because I did this yesterday and it was fine. Podcast. It's haunted. It's haunted. Our it's dark-sided. It's because you didn't let me talk about Cher enough. It's like, we gotta use the ghosts and the demons. I don't hate it. <laughs> me neither. I like to imagine one of our listeners is just in a dark alley, and as soon as it said Detroit Strange, just a whisper of fog appeared in front of their face. Oh no. But like a friendly ghost.